Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing live for our viewers on the <laughs> internet. Um, and uh, this is a new thing. We're so glad you could join us. It is noon Eastern at uh, Wednesday afternoon. And um, we're trying something out. So welcome to everybody who's uh, joining us. And this is what we usually do at 1 a.m. these days, but we're doing it new today <laughs> on a special Wednesday. That is uh, Ramona Shelburne, who's joining us from Los Angeles in her home gym that you all see when she talks. Yeah, it's super fancy. Yeah. I mean, Ramona, the you know, the, San Fer- the San Fernando Valley. So I can throw it up like that. Yeah. See? Um, and that is uh, Band <laughs> McMahon, who has been unbanned from... Uh, from, from this podcast, which, you know, we really didn't want to have him on today, Ramona. I tried to have several other people. I, I didn't know he was allowed to go on like visual mediums like this. Howdy <laughs> partners. There is a, there is a limit on handsomeness at ESPN that has, that has hindered my career, but I broke through today. Yeah. Ramona, I told him to, because we were on video today, I told him to uh, make sure to comb his hair. So <laughs> He wore a nice shirt. That's a nice uh, yeah. shirt. Too. So normally um, we, you know, even though it's an option with our, with our tech to um, look at each other during podcasts, I have a rule where we don't. In fact, I don't <laughs> normally <laughs> I podcast in the dark. This is my home podcast studio. <laughs> it sounds impressive, dark. but normally I, t- I mean, the computer is on, but I, I like to podcast yeah. in the dark. That's where I'm most comfortable. Well, listen, uh, if you're going to have bond temps on, you damn sure don't want to have, video. I know. so there that's, you, you know, well, and I mean, Zach Lowe always likes to look at me and stuff like when he's know, doing the like low it. post and stuff. But I'm just like, I, I, don't like I you know, I don't like no, it. But uh, so we have um, <laughs> a pretty, uh, pretty wild few um, few days here in the NBA Oof. and a lot, a lot going on. First off, I, I mean, the lottery is a huge, huge thing that happened. But I, I really don't think we can start without talking about what happened last night. So I got to say, um I would I would argue that if you gave Jay Crowder and DeAndre Ayton ten tries in a gym by themselves, that they couldn't have gotten the pass and timing yep. as clean as they got last night. And not only the pass and timing, but realize that that pass was never where you'd practice throwing a pass from. Normally, you do you're on the baseline mm-hmm. out of bounds or you're on the sideline out of bounds and you're throwing either a straight lob or you're throwing a cross court lob. He was in the corner, almost like a soccer corner kick. And he got it exactly right. Exactly at the time where Aiton was at the top of his jump, the ball landed in Aiton's hand exactly where he needed to be. I mean, it was, I don't know. Was it a one in 50? Was it a one in 30? I don't know, Ramona, but that play yep. is the type of play that you make when you're on a magical run to a championship. I don't know if they'll get there, but my mouth just dropped open for two minutes watching that all unfold. Uh, uh, Brian, that's like my horse shot. Like, yeah, I always go behind the basket and try to throw it up over the corner. And then I've learned how to make that's like the one really cool horse shot I can usually make. But it, it, even if you do it a million times, like I practiced that, like when I was a kid, I would practice that all the time and you miss it probably nine times out of 10. Like you hit the side of the backboard. It's not an easy, it's not an easy pass at all. I just can't even believe the angle that he threw that from. And and my favorite part is it's the Jay Chiriano play, right? It's the one where the former coach of the Suns, like he, he, he hey, did you guys know that there's no goaltending on an out of bounds, out of bounds play? And then okay. all the Suns fans have been sending that? each other. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't I know, did that. Not know that rule. Nope. 
McMahon, did you know that one? I I, rem- I remember the Tyson Chandler dunk from a few years ago now, but in the moment, I can't yeah. tell you that that I knew the rule. But you know what? Monty Williams knew the rule. That's that matters. Man. You know what? And Jeff Monty and, Williams uh, knew the Jackson. rule, and Monty Williams knew what play to call. Yeah, Jeff and Mark Jackson knew the rule too, which was good because they educated yeah. me. Yeah. Well, I, I thought him throwing that, knowing that that was not going to be a goal ten. Uh, knowing just how to execute. But the thing I can't get over is the screen from Devin Booker, whose nose right. looked like it just had already been, it, I don't know if it's broken or not. It looks, it it had looks to be pretty broken. bad. If it's not broken, <laughs> what is it? It looks pretty bad. Um, it, he sets this incredible screen on Ibiza Zubac, who, you know, you could say he was grabbing the jersey. Okay. Yeah, that's true. And I'm probably not going to call that on that play. But um, just even the way that he gets open for the play. The, the way that Aiton gets open. I mean, that's everybody knows they have to go for the lob there. There's no time to inbound and get a shot up. So, you know, they have to go for the alley-oop to Aiton. And I'm not even really sure that Aiton was open. I mean, the screen not was really. a good screen that allowed him to get where he wanted to go. <laughs> yeah. but, but McMahon, that was almost like um, a, a quarterback throwing a receiver open where he like throws a back shoulder or wherever he just throws yep. it. Out yeah, so it's like a, it's like a fade route in the end zone, just yeah, from a ridiculously yeah. difficult angle, but <laughs> it's not like he was wide open, but that screen gave him enough space to where he could launch. And then Aiton's athleticism takes over from there. But I, I, I do think that screen says so much about Devin Booker, Devin Booker for six years has been criticized empty stats, you know, and, mm-hmm. and kind of, if you thought about Devin Booker, I think, the unfair, obviously unfair rap on him was, you know, pretty boy, empty stats, not a winner. Here Devin Booker is, and I'm telling you, I've broken my nose three times and I went to college long enough to be a doctor. I'm going to go ahead and diagnose that as a broken nose. <laughs> this dude has a broken nose, okay, is willing to basically stick his face into a 200 Zubas is listed at 240. I'm going to say 270 pound dude who is determined not to be stopped, sticks his face in there. You know, was it a pancake block? No, but it gave Aiton enough room to go up. And, uh, you know, what a moment for Aiton. The, the, the Valley Oop is such a perfect nickname for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, and, you know, Jay, Jay Crowder, I think, has been such an underrated part of this team, too. Obviously, James Jones, number one reason he's executive of the year is for being able to, to get Chris Paul to Phoenix. But tell me a more impactful mid-level exception signing in recent memory than, than Jay Crowder in terms of toughness, smarts, playoff experience, a guy who can mentor some of these young dudes on this roster. So it was cool to see Crowder, uh, who's, who's bounced around the league and with the exception of Cleveland, you know, been a, been a plus everywhere he's been. Uh, it was cool to see him play such a major role uh, so, so, in, in that deal. So today the NBA on its Twitter feeds – well, maybe it was even last night, but I think it was today. Put out um, the uh, Phantom Cam footage, oh. uh, and it was a really cool shot. It was the, the Phantom Cam was right behind Crowder, and one of the things that I that I, I realized in that was that Demarcus Cousins, who was put into the game by Ty Lue to defend the inbounder to defend Crowder, he was in a bad position. He he you know you know normally. Again, and I think it's more of a product of being in the corner. You're not used mm-hmm. to defending in the corner. If you're defending on the sideline, the guy who's inbounding always shades to have his back to the basket, so he's defending the angle of the pass. If the guy's right. on the um, you know on the baseline, the famous Matt Barnes defending Kobe, where Kobe 
ball yeah, fakes. The ball Barnes is at an angle there to defend the ball coming in. Well, I also think you're more you're worried about Devin. If in that situation, you're worried about Aiton setting the screen for Devin Booker and Devin Booker popping out, I not mean, the other way around. So Cousins was out of position. Cousins allowed yep. an angle to the to the rim. And I don't even and I don't even think that that's not, I mean, like, yes, it was a mistake, clearly. But when you see Crowder, he has a from that phantom cam angle behind, he's got a free a free window. Cousins was unable to affect the play. Easy to say in retrospect, but I think it's more that he's not used to defending passes out of the out of the absolute corner. I mean, you you may go through a whole season in the NBA for a team and have that happen yeah. twice. Well, like you know that. what's you know what's amazing too is this play was all about execution, right? First, it's about design, and then it's about execution. And in that moment, they executed every single bit of it perfectly, like the pass, the screen, the lob. It, it, it's it's honestly every time I watch it, it's it's better. But it, I want to talk also about this is why the Phoenix Suns are winning because how do you execute in tough situations like? Let's you get, get a back free timeout. We that helped. Yeah, that, well. that, that, that definitely helped. But also, they weren't feeling pressure. They had actually blown this game. They were up most of this game. The Clippers made a really nice rally at the end there. They were going to steal a game on the road in Phoenix without Kawhi Leonard. You know, the, I, we can all talk about Paul George's missed free throws. That's fine. But he had hit a, a ton of big shots right yeah. before that. So let's not let's – he's not in the same category as Ben Simmons. This is not the, the same comparison at all. But Paul George hits, did miss those couple of free throws. They find themselves with an opportunity. And instead of feeling, instead of feeling nervous, I know they're at home and all that, but, but they don't have Chris Paul out there. They don't have their leader to settle them down. They executed every single element of that perfectly in that moment with all this pressure on them after they had essentially blown a game they should have won. Complicated, right, it's awesome. complicated Paul say. George game, right? Because yeah. he hit two total nail shots. Yep. To get them the lead, and then he misses the free throws that cost him. The first one was all the way down. Like that wasn't he wasn't nervous on the first one. The first one was just a real miss. That was just like it was all the way down, almost in. It just popped out. The second one. The second one. Was one not. <laughs> the second one was not. Like he the missed second it. one. He, 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 yeah, he, he just missed it. it. Yeah. Didn't even have to hear overrated chance at the free throw line like the like the Jazz fans last <laughs> round either. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But now I was I was going to say just the the execution on that going back to that. I think this is a, another really good example of how coachable DeAndre Ayton is. His numbers haven't gone up during the regular season, but obviously the playoffs they have. But I thought you know, there was a case to be made for him to get most improved player consideration just because, <laughs> think about it, DeAndre Ayton is a rookie year. People are, oh, he's clueless. He doesn't know, you know he, he's lost on defense. He has become such a winning piece uh, in, in terms of doing all the dirty work you want a big man to do, plus he can punish teams, uh, you know, especially if the, Clip the Clippers can't play small ball because he punishes them, something Gobert couldn't do in the previous round. But DeAndre Ayton, at 22 years old, has proven that he takes coaching, he executes. You know, I covered a game in Dallas this year when uh, another great play drawn up by, by Monty Williams. And, you know, Monty always says, well, I – I didn't come up with a play. I borrowed. Oh, great. You've got it. You've got it in your playbook. You know exactly when to use it. But this was a play where uh, DeAndre Ayton set a great screen to free Booker uh, for, a, for a jump shot. So whether he's you know finishing the lob, whether he's setting the screen at 22 years old to be able to perfectly execute plays. Uh, again, I, I think it's a it, I think Monty Williams has done such a great job developing DeAndre Ayton, helping Devin Booker develop, developing. Bridges. They've got some really, he inherited some really good young players. 
they've all gotten better and learned how to win under him. Also, yeah. campaign. Yep. You know, game of his life, right? I mean, I'm sure he's had other. He's teams. had a few of these this playoffs, though. I mean, not like he's this, been really good. I, I, I believe I, I in him in the all Lakers along. Series. That first, <laughs> I had that series, that Lakers series. He had some good games in that one too. He's he's been good these whole playoffs. Yeah. So you look at this team, and um, you know, you see. Aiton's development's been spectacular, as McMahon was yeah. saying. I did a piece on Aiton back in February where I, I uh, had about an hour-long conversation with him, and I talked to Monty Williams about him. And, you know, he was one of the – he's the guy that uh, everybody on the team yells at. As I was preparing to write the piece, I watched like three or four Suns games. And if you have league pass, um, when games go to commercial, you get the scoreboard feed, and sometimes you even get the internal feed. Oh, yeah. And I would be watching these Suns games – and every single timeout, Chris Paul, I mean, Suns are up 17 on a 12-0 run. Chris Paul <laughs> is in DeAndre Ayton's ear. He yells at him every play. Monty Williams, every play. Uh, Willie Green, their, uh, one of their assistants, in his ear, every, every play. He's always getting yelled at, um, you know, because everybody's trying to, to, you know, they know his uh, potential. But what I talked to him about was, you know, a year ago, and it, it feels like a, a forever ago now, but, you know, Midway through last season, he gets suspended for, um, you know, PEDs. I mean, talk about a low point. Luca and uh, Trey Young are tearing up the league. He's the yeah. number one pick, and he is sidelined, and his team misses the playoffs by a game because he missed 20. I mean, there was a lot of reasons why they did, but he missed 25 games, and the team missed the playoffs by a game. And so you look at where he's developed, not just in his ability to score, but how he sets screens, how he moves his feet. McMahon in the last series, uh, the Clippers played Gobert out of position with quickness. Yep. They have not even really tried it in this series. I mean, they went, they've gone small, but they've gone back to Zubach as well. They played Zubach like 30 minutes last night. They're not doing it against Aiden. And I wonder if they have to do it more um, to try to, because a Aiden is really causing all kinds of problems. Well, I see, I don't think that was really about Gobert defensively. There's no defense that's going to work if you're getting blow by, blow by, blow by a straight line drive to the rim. Like there's no way a big man can help and then get out to the corner. The the Suns perimeter defenders are are, are much better than the Jazz, especially when Donovan Mitchell's out there, you know, on, on one wheel. Uh, I really think the biggest difference, and this is why I don't know that the Clippers can use small ball. If you go small against DeAndre Ayton, he is going to get position about two feet from the rim and either you know get easy little jump hooks, layups, or dunks. He will have a lot of he shoots seventy percent. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. gonna. What was his line last night? Twenty four points, twelve or fifteen. So he's. I guess you could argue he's doing it against uh, you know even when they're big, but he will put up you know twenty five, thirty points just feasting on like eighty percent shooting if you go small. And that's, you know, that's the one thing Gobert is not able to do. He cannot punish teams uh, on, you know, on the offensive end. Uh, his scoring always comes, you know, pick and roll, lobs. That stuff's taken away when you can switch everything. He's not, he doesn't have that ability like Aiton. Uh, you know, Aiton looks – I mean, Aiton's got like a boxer's body. He's like a seven-foot, you know, just tank. And he can just plant – He can really, know. really – you'll make fun of me for this. He can really move his hips. You know, <laughs> yes. When I talk to scouts, he can really move his hips, and why yeah. that matters is when he's when he's when there's a, when there's a switch pick and roll, he can swing his hips to get in position to 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 do a good job of trying to stay in front. He's not going to stay in front of 
Yeah, it's like I a defensive back in football, right? Like, can mm-hmm. you move and, and adjust yeah. to the play? Um, I think the thing with I think the thing with the Clippers, and I will say a word for the Clippers, the, 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 they've done this every series. They've had two games. The first two games, well, in the first round they were at home, um, but in the second in the second round they were on the road in Utah. Tough games in Utah. They both they had a chance to win both of them and couldn't quite do it. These two games on the road in Phoenix had a chance to win both of them, couldn't quite do it. Each time I felt like they're really close. They're, they're, and maybe that home court will make that difference. And so Ty Lue and his staff, Chauncey Billups, Dan Craig, all those guys, they are great at making adjustments. They really I are. Agree. I mean, that Mavericks series, they lose the first but, two, they win four to five. Last series, they lose the first two, they win four straight. I mean, I, I, like, I, I know agree. Phoenix look good. I agree with I, Chris Paul might be coming back, but I just want to, I'm going to, I, I kind of did this in the other series too. I was like, I'm, I'm done picking against the Hawks. There's some, they, they've got something going. I'm just going to pick them. I don't, I don't know why I'm picking them. I'm just going to pick them. I agree. And you know, and Phoenix, the clips. Has, Phoenix has won nine games in a row, <laughs> which is kind of unheard of uh, at, at this stage of the, in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, if you're the golden state warriors with Durant Curry and clay and Draymond, you know, okay. Yeah. Um, but obviously Chris Paul is going to be coming back. If not three game four, they're going to try to do game three. I mean, in the regular season, if Chris Paul wasn't cleared, to rejoin the team by now, he probably wouldn't have been. In other words, normally you had to sit out, then you were allowed to rejoin the team, and then you did like testing, cardiac testing. There was like stages. Yeah. I believe normally that there would be a tough window for him to get to game three, but because we're in the playoffs, because he's vaccinated, I think there's a good, a better chance than the regular season. So Chris Paul is coming back. And while they didn't have uh, Kawhi to finish the last series, they did have him to get back tied in the, in that series two two. And then of course had him to in Dallas. Them. Yeah. Against Dallas. Yeah. Well, yeah. And they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have beat the Mavericks without Kawhi. Kawhi's game yeah, oh. six is one, maybe the best playoff game of his career. Right. And then they had him against the Jazz. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. had him for three and four. So right. yeah. I, I agree with what you're saying, Ramona. And I won't, I mean, I've already declared that, yeah. you, that predicting the Clippers is a full uh, yeah. game, but yeah. this is, this is different. Now Clippers well, got them right where about- they want them. Yeah. Well, when we talk about the small ball lineups, like let's, let's remember Marcus Morris is key to those small ball lineups. Right. And he was hurt for a lot of game one. I don't know if he was a hundred percent for game two there. He, he came, he came back, he was playing, but it wasn't himself. And so uh, let's that if he's key to that, he's not out there or if he's out there in some kind of limited capacity, that does affect how they're able to, to play that lineup. All right. Well, I want to, I, I enjoy talking about this, but I do want to talk about the lottery. Um, but first, Oof. But first, it's time for some straight talk. Um, we've all been there. You have some real work to do, but the free Wi-Fi where you're working isn't gonna cut it. It's like leaving the winning, it's like leaving the winning runner stranded on third base. Ramona, that's for you. Or missing <laughs> okay. two free throws with under 10 seconds to go when your team has a one-point lead. Boy, who hey. wrote this copy? What yeah, this, is, this, is, this is what rough. I call dynamic copy. Not good. <laughs> Well, now you can be your own hotspot with Straight Talk's Ultimate Unlimited plan. Get 10 gigs of hotspot data for just 55 bucks a month, all on America's largest, most dependable networks. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. Compatible device required. See straighttalk.com. Paul George did not like that, that ad. I'll tell you right now. Uh, I like all right, the lottery. ads. The lottery. McMahon, your Houston Rockets. Woo! 
man. <laughs> did, um, Raphael Stone did an interview with um, The Athletic, a Q&A interview last week, and he was asked, um, you know, what would really be the difference between you guys, you know, keep getting a top four pick or having to swap out to the 18th pick? And he was like, do you remember, did you see the interview? Do you remember what he said? He's like, it wouldn't be that much of a difference. And I just yeah. had to stop and laugh out loud. <laughs> I mean, like, I understand he's got to say what he's got to say. He can't say, oh, my God. Well, and then last night, the worst depression. Thing ever. Yeah, last night, he, he didn't even watch it. He just, he was, he said he read a book. He set an alarm. So when the result, he, he couldn't even stand to watch it because he knew, he, as he put it, it would not have been an enjoyable experience, just that, that stress. Now, that, boy, that had a chance to be, absolutely horrifically painful um that because that, that was the throw-in in the rust trade if they're giving yeah, up the no. fifth overall pick as as the throw-in and you've still got more to pay and they had a 48 the percent in the freaking chance. conference finals they yeah had a 48 percent chance of being num- being number five yeah. so it was roughly a, a coin toss they were gonna gonna get a top four player or get you know number a 18 role player yeah, yeah number 18 after all that tanking that they did by the way it's a it's a it's an ode to tanking. A lot of these teams, it's an ode to tanking because it worked. They, they, well, they tank. well, 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 let's say something though. Oklahoma City, right? Oh, we'll get to Oklahoma. We'll get to Oklahoma. We'll, we'll get, get to them. There. Okay. I we'll know get you're there. fired up but about this. All right. I'm gonna um, say the, the, ro- last the Rockets game against the Clippers. I don't know. I'm just yeah. The Rockets tanking was somewhat <laughs> uh, you know, not voluntary. <laughs> I will say that. Now late in the season we can we can get into that, but you remember post Harden, they actually were yeah, they're trying well, to win. Christian Wood goes down and then the bottom falls out. But anyways, here the Rockets are. Whew, wipe their sweat off the brow. They've got the number two pick, uh, you know, going forward. Uh, <laughs> the OKC tanker, that did not pay off. Oh, they had man. a chance to be, you know, imagine they, the, the pie in the sky scenario is one and five. They got one plus five equals six instead. <laughs> oh, no. In that a five-player draft. Yeah. So, so the, the huh. all right. Well, for, well, let's just talk about Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City, as you mentioned, was was one and five. And like I said, they had a 48% chance. Like Golden State could theoretically have gotten one and yep. four, but they had a like two percent chance of getting in the top four. And they yeah. had like it was something like 30% chance of, of being four. So they ended up with seven and fourteen, but not catastrophic. The Thunder had a 48% chance at five. They don't get that. Instead, they have eight. They have sixteen and eighteen. But the difference was between five and eighteen. And then they had a forty percent chance of themselves being in the top four. And not only do they not get the top four, they slide backwards. And the crazy thing about this is, it was because of the coin flip. They win on the last day of the season in the war. Uh, there, there Grudgingly, another- they did not want to. Accidentally. Accidentally. Yeah. What's what's another, what's a, we have to come up with a better, a more deeper word than tank. What is worse than tank? Poku. Poku. <laughs> because that's what happened in that game with the Clippers. The Clippers. Point Poku. That yeah. is I would say nosediving. That was, I mean, Brian, it was more, it was more of a nosedive. Like it was an, it was an, it's, it's not a flop. It's a nosedive, like an, a purposeful dive. I, I, I don't even, scuba I, diving. Not even, there we not go. Even just, but the point is the Thunder, <laughs> Detroit and, and, and um, Detroit w- w- had the same percentage chance as, as the Thunder would have if they had not lost that last game. Instead, the Thunder fell from a tie 
for second best odds into a tie for fourth. Okay. Yep. Then they had because a coin of that flip. last game against the Clippers. That's right. Then they had a coin flip with the Cavs because they were tied with the Cavs. The Cavs had a devast- what looked like a devastating win the last week of the season against Boston, where Boston just just completely laid down. Devastating. Kevin win. Love, Love played it. like the game of the season, and <laughs> yeah, the Cavs lose that coin flip. So you know the Thunder are like, well, at least we won the coin flip, and we have the fourth. But because they lost that coin flip, the Cavs got the numbers the number five numbers that led to them jumping up to number three. And so the Thunder have a terrible, and look, I, we all know about the draft. We don't know how it's going to go, but, but Schmitz and Gavoni, who are the best at their bit at the business say, this is the, the, the draft changes after four. Yes. There's guys five, five six, seven, eight. Yeah. Even five, six is absolutely not where you want to be. And look, Tyrese Halliburton went 12 last year. I, I'm not, in this moment, in fact, I, I got to look up. Scotty Barnes is projected as the six pick. He's a pretty good player. Yeah, but he's not. He's not Jalen Green. I got to look up this uh, this quote from Sam Presti from yesterday because Sam Presti, you know, he doesn't show his hand too often, but he, um, he kind of when he kind of went there. Let me let me find this quote um, because you know this is obviously something that the Thunder went all in on the way they, the way they, I know. And they're the sitting there. Half. They have a chance at Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma state. Okay. Home to, you know, home state guy. Sam Presti in the press conference before the lottery. There's only a few nights in the NBA year that have tremendous influence, not just on the following season, but for many, many seasons, this is one of them. Irrespective of what happens, we have to remember the rule of luck and the rule of chance is not a singular thing. As they say, luck favors the persistent. Well, they have 18 first round draft picks that's in the next few years. Preparing him for, but he's admitting so basically that this is everything. in the first round. Uh, yeah. No, it's right. He's right. But I will say this. He, he has done, you know, it's like when you go to a casino. Okay. If you're really good, if you're playing really well, it just means you have a lot of chances to win. It doesn't mean that you win every single hand. It doesn't mean that you right. get the right card every time. It just means that you're in position to get a good card. And, and I think, the Thunder are in position. So this time where there's some great players at the top of this draft and they, they had a chance to get a good card, they didn't. But they have so many more cracks at this. True. Okay. And, they're, and their own pick because they're, they're, they're going to be back there. McMahon, how do you evaluate what happened with Minnesota? Minnesota had a 33, I think, percent chance, give or take, 35% chance of getting in the top three where they would have been able to add a stud to Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. They end up with the seventh pick, which completes the D'Angelo Russell trade. How do you feel about, so Minnesota basically gives the seven pick and and Andrew Wiggins for D'Angelo Russell. Now that we know the trade, how do you feel about it? And how do you think they came out of this? Yeah, I I, I don't love the trade, but no matter what happened in this lottery, you weren't going to, uh, to love that trade. And this certainly wasn't a worst case scenario. I mean, if they had given up four, obviously that's more painful now. Okay. You give up the seventh pick. You move on. The, the the Timberwolves notably did not tank. They were very competitive yep. uh, down this. Really, after they hired Chris Finch, they they became very competitive. Well, they had no. They had little incentive, really. To I mean, I guess they could have tried for well, the top, top three, three. But, right? But, right. But you know, if if I'm Minnesota, I I actually feel fine. Uh, yeah. Listen, Edwards is a stud. You yep. know, Carl Anthony Towns. Hopefully, he can stay healthy. Uh, I think he's a stud. I think playing for Chris Finch is going to 
kind of maximize his talent. It seems to, like he has, you know, gotten to a point mentally where, you know, he, he was a guy who I think put up some empty stats uh, early in his, not even empty stats. I, I don't know that he was a guy who impacted winning as much as his talent should, as much as his, you know, production could. Uh, I, I think, you know, and he said it, he's come to the realization that he has to prove he can be a winner in this league. I think that's a good place for him to be mentally. You know, Russell, honestly, I, I like him better as a six man. We'll see how that pans out. But with Cat and Edwards, I think you've got two studs to, uh, you know, as franchise pillars moving forward. And I think it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Timberwolves will be competitive next season. Well, that's the question. Let me ask you this, Ramona. So mm-hmm. had the Wolves kept their pick, then it would have been unprotected next year. Yep. That's what the Warriors would have had. So now that we know, do you think, and and remember this team has missed the playoffs 16 out of 17 years. Yep. Do you think the Wolves will be picking seventh or or worse next year? You know, so seventh is the the over underline. Are they picking, now that they know they've got their pick next year, are they picking lower than seventh or higher than seventh? Interesting. I guess it's a good question. Cause the truth is if I'm Minnesota, if I'm Gerson Rosas right now, I'm like, phew, thank gosh, we didn't eat it. It's not for, I, I'd rather yeah. just get this out of the way, move on. Right. You don't want this hanging over your head all next year where as Tim said, like Carl Anthony Towns, I, I did a story with the Timberwolves this year with, with Carl Towns and, and Anthony Edwards. I mean, I, I, I think they're, I'm really high on their future. Actually. I think Anthony Edwards is, don't forget he, he, he kind of reclassified. He actually should be in this year's draft. He's a, he was a year younger. So all the rookies this year, after, not only are they, not only is he younger, but they didn't get a summer league. They didn't get a training camp that whole first year, part of the season. And the Edwards was like, you know, it's, it's like taking the SATs. If you went in cold and then finally we, at the all-star break, he had some time to catch his breath and, and Chris Finch came in and they kind of simplified the offense and they simplified what he, they asked him to do. He was so much better to the point where I was really agonizing over that rookie to year vote. And I would not have thought that. I would, I would not have thought that with how well LaMelo Ball played early on. So I, I think they're, I think they do better next year, but that said, they do have guys with injury histories. They just, we have to we have to point that. I mean, Carl Towns five years ago, we would have all said, who do you want to start a franchise with? And the answer would be Carl Towns, right? Of all the young players, he was the, he was the guy. He's just been hurt on and off and they haven't had much winning there and they haven't built anybody else to sustain anything. And I think Carl understands like he's got to change that. And he's, I think he's been a great leader for them. Um, th- at least this year when he's been able to be out there, but you know, when, when he finished first, when he, when he won the rookie of the year, Brian, I went back and looked, you know, who was, uh, who was in that rookie of the year class finished third that year. Um, Booker. that was the year where I was with Minnesota covering the draft and you were in LA and they took the surprising Russell was a surprise pick. So Russell yeah. was in that class. Um, who else? I don't remember. Oh, Nikola Jokic. Oh, right, right uh, Jokic, yeah. All right. So when when Jokic is in your draft class, and obviously we know he's a second-round pick and all that, if he goes and wins an MVP before you do, that that sits with you, right? Yeah. That that gets in there. And I, and I don't think it's necessarily Cat's fault. Not just MVP, he really had, all-NBA, yeah. all-star, all that kind of stuff. Center, but, yep. And Cat's and only taste of the playoffs was – a five game failure when, you know, the most memorable thing about that series from the Timberwolves perspective was, was cat and, uh, and Tibbs button heads very publicly, uh, yep. you know, the, the whole time. All right. So Detroit, let's talk about Detroit, Detroit wins. Um, 
Ben Wallace, watching Ben Wallace during the lottery that was, was awesome. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I really liked Ben. Uh, I covered him for two years in Cleveland. Um, we, <laughs> we got, we got sideways uh, early in his first, he got traded at mid season. And the next year, early in the season, we got sideways. And I remember he came over to talk to me and he was angry at me and he made like this long, slow walk over. It was very intimidating. <laughs> um, and then I didn't talk. That to was him back like, when we could go in the locker rooms and you yeah. actually had face-to-face interactions. Yeah. And yeah. like six years later, he came and did the jump one day when I was there and oh. um, we were sitting in the green room and he's, and we kind of buried the hatchet. So I hope we did because I'm in trouble if we didn't, <laughs> but I just, I love Ben. I loved covering Ben and uh, he's actually, even though he's kind of got that mean personality and he talks very quietly, he's, He's actually a pretty fun loving guy. But so watching him like, you know, yeah. you know, fist pump with each one, like confident, um, huge thing for Detroit. I mean, obviously there a year ago, I would have argued that they had the least talented roster in the league, even with Blake Griffin on it, because mm-hmm. Blake was coming off another surgery and we didn't. Oh, know. they had Derek Rose too, but yeah. Right. Too. But I mean, that wasn't a future to build around. And Correct. Troy Weaver comes in has three first-round picks, hits two of them out of the park. We'll see on Killian Hayes. But even if he had two out of three, meatloaf ain't bad. Um, <laughs> and now he's got the number one pick, which which presumably is Cade Cunningham. Uh, huge moment for Detroit. I mean, they're still going to be – I still think they're two years away from being two years away. But franchise-changing moment for them. It's, a, it's the first you know, real uh, yeah. bit of lottery luck they've had. I'm really happy time. for them too, Brad, because because people know Troy Weaver. He he was in Oklahoma City for a long time, and he is just an excellent scout. Like whenever, like I, I think he has a great eye for talent. Um, I think he he doesn't necessarily get credit for any of the draft picks that Oklahoma City made over the years, but he, he those in the know know. Um, and and I think uh, you know all those great all those great draft picks that the Thunder had as they built that team. Serge Ibaka and yeah. We can go all the way with Jeff Green, right? Uh, yeah. The, uh, you know, Troy Weaver, whatever he drafts somebody in the first round, he's one of those guys where I go, okay. I, I, Steven Adams, you know, yeah. Yeah. He, so he, they did, know, he was a big factor in a lot of that stuff. Yeah. So for him to now have the number one pick, where it's not just finding a gem in the middle of the first round or the late lottery or whatever it is, like uh, if, if he's going to pick Cade Cunningham, let's see. Uh, I don't know yet. I, he's projected as the number one pick, but whatever Troy thinks, I usually, usually go with. Would you, considering the quality of the top of this draft, you know, uh, he's giving his press conference actually today, so I, I won't know if he's going to get asked about trade. I wonder if there's a price where they would consider moving, you know, a spot or two back. Um, it depends on, you know, how they evaluate the players. Um, I, you know, f- obviously a few years ago, Boston, Everybody thought Markel Fultz was number one, and they were like, "No, we think Jason Tatum is the best player." Yeah, and, so and they were right. They cleaned up. Um, Kobe Altman gave an inter- gave his press conference to GM of the Cavs, and while I don't ever expect a team to say there is absolutely a, no circumstances we are not going to trade the pick, Kobe Altman essentially kind of announced they might be open for business on that pick. Oh, the the Rockets did too. Rafael Stone absolutely said, you know, they're open for business on it. And uh, on, on number two, and you know Evan Mobley is widely considered the the second best player. You know how does he fit with Wood? But here's the thing: when you're the Jill Rockets, Green in that spot, I think. Yeah, that's a possibility. Yeah. Trading it's a possibility. You know, maybe moving back a couple spots, like Wendy Sam. I mean, basically, what what Stone said is they're going to take 
all the time. They're going to consider all the options. They're going to have all the conversations, all the discussions internally, you know, with other teams trade-wise, and then, you know, evaluate all the players, then make their decision. Um, and But he also said, and I 100% agree with this, when you're the, uh, in a position where you're the Rockets, you're the Pistons, you're the Cavs, you're early in a rebuilding process, you don't worry about positional fit. You take the best right. talent. Right. And you know, I've seen some people, well, how would Cade Cunningham fit with Jeremy Grant? Which, first of all, I think yeah. a, a playmaker like Cade Cunningham, who can probably guard three or four positions, fits with, with anybody. But like, if Jeremy he's Grant clearly, can guard two or three positions. Exactly. If he's clearly the best player in the draft, like you don't complicate things. You don't worry about right. fit on a, a roster that, you know, in the Rockets' case, won 17 games last year, whatever the Pistons won. <laughs> you take the best talent and then figure things out from there. Well, in the last five years, we've seen two top three pick changes, and they were two of the biggest transactions uh, in the league. Uh, Tatum, the Tatum Fultz trade, yeah. and obviously the Trey Young, Luka Doncic trade. These mm-hmm. are franchise altering decisions. And so yeah, one was a win win, one was a win whoops. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So considering that there is going to be opinions on these different guys, like, Schmitz and Gavoni, I'm fairly certain. And I just trust these guys so much. Yeah. yeah. Um, they have Jalen Green, number two, I think right now. Look, um, I got to know Jalen a little bit this year because we, you know, when he was playing for the Ignite team, I was really interested in that story of the, it's the first time the, the G League is, was going to have a, hot, a team like this. Um, and uh, I had something weird happening with my screen. Huh? Yeah. Your, uh, your gym just went away. That oh, wasn't your gym. I know what happened. You, you yeah, shot the on, lights out. You you're like you're like Trey Young the other night. Oh, wait, no, wait a minute. Now there's a uh, there's a there's, uh, now there's a uh, fireworks display. Oh, the gym is back. That's actually back. happened to me back live to the on air. Hoop. Yeah, that's actually happened saver. live on air when I do the jump. Um, after like 45 minutes, the the TV monitor behind me goes out. Um, yeah. So just pull back the curtain. Anyway, we almost got the triangle screensaver. They're never going to have a baseline jump shot. The uh, look, Jalen Green is a really, really exciting young player. Like a lot of when I first did this story on him, part of the reason I got interested in it was a scout that I really trust. He said, This guy is the the number one talent in this draft, it has the highest upside of anyone in this draft. Like, you know, the big names were thrown out as comparisons. And so, if you believe in Jalen Green's upside, which I, I think he showed out pretty well in that in the G League bubble down there in Orlando, he's still really young, but. This guy's been playing against NBA players for a while. I remember talking to Paul George. He plays against. He played against him at UCLA and these open runs there. And there's a lot of people who 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 think he he is actually the top talent in this draft. So if you had a chance, if you believe in him, like if you watch him play and you scouted him, it, and at least now we have some tape of him because he didn't play in college. He went to the G League, but he he played against NBA players in that G League. Okay, so we always never talk about the Raptors on this podcast. I know because I have friends in Canada who are like, how come you never talked about the Raptors? So here we are. We haven't talked about the they Raptors. They better be in this live chat then. All right. <laughs> um, so, okay. This is a monumental move for them. I mean, they yep. won the championship two years ago and now they've got a top four pick. Uh, welcome to the fragile nature of the NBA. Um, they obviously have, Kyle Lowry, who is a free agent, who probably is going to move on. They, they have the option of giving him a huge sum of money for on a short deal that maybe could keep him. But now they are in position maybe to draft Jalen Suggs to be their new franchise point guard. Now, I don't know whether Suggs is going to be there at four. 
um, the Cavs sitting in three could end up having a big choice to make because they've got Colin Sexton and, and Darius Garland who are sort of smaller perimeter guards. I don't think you can draft a third one, but I like Jalen Suggs better than both of them. I mean, yeah. uh, I'm not going to compare myself to, to Schmitz, who's probably seen Jalen Suggs since he was 12, but I love Jalen Suggs. And um, I think he's a big time leader and a big time player. And so this is where the lottery is more than just about where a team might draft. Now it informs what happens with Kyle Lowry. Now it informs maybe what happens with Masai Ujiri, which is the undiscussed story. I keep talking to executives who are saying to me, what's going on with Masai? Why is there yeah. nothing with Masai? And I was like, well, I wish I had some inside information I could give you, but I don't. Um, the season has been over for five weeks. The, 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 the combine is happening in Chicago right now. And Masai Ujiri, is, his contract is up in a couple of days. Um, and um, I can speculate as to what's going on, but I don't know what's going on. And so the Raptors leap. They get the big leap. They are now going to be in a position to draft a big-time player to add to their young core as they pivot. And this might make him – Masai, for whatever reason, has resisted pivoting. This may be the moment to re- that he does pivot. And let's see, you know – what it what it takes but but now the raptors jump into a command position with the number four pick i think that was a huge story last night because kyle lowry was a guy that we all thought was going to move at the trade deadline brian and didn't and there's two contenders right and now philly that, should have traded for him yeah or the lakers and, should have traded for him okay there were two teams and let me Miami ask this real quick say, time 30 second timeout yeah if kyle lowry is a laker are the lakers still alive no yes no, not with not with LeBron, not healthy, not with AD uh, out. No, they're not beating. They're not beating this Suns team that is, by the way, be, still playing. I thought they, they were going to beat the Suns. I when they were when Anthony Davis, before Anthony Davis got hurt, I thought that they had turned a corner. Like AD, uh, we talk about Aiden, how great he is. That's right, but there was a part in Game Three before he got hurt. Andre Drummond is like, showing him up on the sideline. He's dancing on the sideline. Remember that? That was. That was the last time the Suns lost, by the last way. Time we that was Andre Drummond's biggest like contribution like in was, that series. You know, I mean, like, the, I, I thought the Lakers were going to beat him, and then AD got hurt, so you're right. But Dennis Schroeder going 0 for 9 in that game where, uh, you know, after AD gets hurt, that, that that's that's pretty rough. Like, okay, so Kyle Lowry had there. magical healing powers. The Lakers weren't winning that series. All right, no. so well, if he's LeBron, on Philly. He now, would Philly point. still be alive? I would say yes. I say yes. Philly's alive, and they're already on game two of the conference finals because right. they would have beaten Atlanta in five or six. You know, and, and not trading Kyle Lowry, we don't know what the offers were on the table, but Toronto might be able to get something better in a sign-and-trade situation than they, than they had on the table. So here's where the together. Kyle Lowry thing comes up. I, I think the offers were there for Kyle Lowry, but the, the teams that were – going to trade for him the teams that were interested in him i think got a little scared off by how much they were going to pay him as free agent without question and 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 that was uh, you know are you really going to push all those extra chips in the table and then have to pay the guy 25 30 million dollars next year as a you know as a 30 something point guard i mean you get paid that much from the team where you are a legend from the team where he'll be the first statue outside there right do we agree kyle gets the first statue yeah, Kawhi, Kawhi will get it. Get, I I argue number two should hang in the Raptors. There, he guy comes in and wins you a championship. Mm-hmm. Put him. In, it's not like they yeah. have fifteen numbers in the Raptors. Put put him in the Raptors. But I but I agree. I, I don't know yeah. if I was going to get a statue. But if they if if there was a Raptor to get one, 
Uh, I do think yeah. he would rank higher so, than more. So you don't that, don't you they have the John Bon Jovi in the Raptors there? They, really? <laughs> I think so. Like you can put Kawhi right next to John Bon Jovi. Well, you know you do you do the Kawhi shot over MB. That's that's the statue. Well, remember John Bon Jovi was trying to buy the Bills, and the and, oh yeah, and the, and the the Maple Leaf Sports was trying to get the Bills to move to Toronto, and so you know, with all due respect to John Bon Jovi, I think there was some other things at play in honoring John Bon Jovi, but. Your point is accurate. Uh, if you're going to pay a guy for the back end of his career, it's like it's a it's a contract like Kobe got, after, yeah, you so. know, with the Lakers. Uh, however, I wonder if Daryl Morey is is wishing that he had gone all in. I, as you know, Tyrese Max looks like he could be a really good player. Matisse Seibel, great defensive player, but they're home. They're home and in in in, in a minor. And you wasted another year, of Joel Embiid's prime. Like that's that's mm-hmm. the, the you know I just feel like I. The thing that was so frustrating about the Sixers loss, Brian, is, is I feel like it's been the same problem for many years and, and it's just the same fundamental problem. Like it's, and it's not getting addressed. And so I think, I think this year's the year it does get addressed. Um, I think, and, and I, I feel bad saying that for Ben Simmons, but I think it'll be good for both him and the franchise. If they do move on, if they do find a different spot for him. And I like, when I watched that ending of that game, I, I was hard for me to watch those, those. Cause I, it's like triggering for me. I had a, I had a case of the yips when I was in college too, as a college softball really? player. If, yeah. If and it was, um, oh yeah. No, what happens is I, I used to always throw the ball and not think about how I threw the ball, just throw the ball. And when I get to college, like they say, Oh, well, you know what? When you release the ball, you, you kind of throw it like a little too much, like a quarterback. You need to go six twelve, Right. And I go, okay, well, I, I don't even think about how I throw it. Sometimes I do it, sometimes, you know? And as soon as I started thinking about it, then I just couldn't throw. I started aiming the ball. And I'm telling you, it was a four year problem. Like I read every sports psychology book you could read. Sometimes you'd conquer it and then it would just come right back. Like once it's in there, it's in there. Mm, and yeah. so every time I watch Ben Simmons, I'm just like, oh gosh, I can I, I feel it. Like I I I it's so because your teammates look at you and they're, they're why can't you throw the ball, Ramona? Like, I know. Ramona, you're playing the, the pack ten. Well, how can you not throw the ball? And you know what? I, I can know. throw the ball from right field to third base or right field home, but when if you ask me to hit a cutoff man, it's like, oh God. Well, and, and you know? what what Ben Simmons is going through now, oh. it's like if you if you intentionally didn't, you know, run to get the ball because you were afraid to throw it. He's he's oh no, not but there's times where I would yeah. because he's afraid to go to the line. And so I know like his mental block is creating uh, uh, uh you know, I mean an, an, well, right, like, another we bigger didn't have scouting. Block. We didn't have scouting in college like like they do now or whatever. So I would always do this thing where you would warm up in pregame. And the throws we had in pregame were long, right? Like, you know, just right field to third base, right field to home, whatever. And so I'd throw it as hard as I could so they wouldn't run on me. Like, I was just like, oh, yeah, you're not going to run on me. Like, I'm going to show off in pregame. And I would just, like, throw BBs at home so they wouldn't run. But I was also doing that. So, like, yeah, don't run on me. I don't really want to make a big throw right here. <laughs> like, sort yeah. of, you know, I mean, it's it's hard to watch when somebody gets that mental thing going because – and, and I'm, I was like sick when he didn't, when he didn't dunk the ball, I was like, oh, he's, that's going to be a hard one to live down. And so like, to, to me, I don't, all I know is how I conquered it. And I never really did conquer it. It was just sort of a, you know, conquer it for a minute and then it comes back. But um, the, him talking about it and saying, I'm not good enough and him to, and piling on, I actually, I thought it was good. He owned it. He, um, I was thought it was good. He faced the media that day and didn't just duck the questions. But the only way you get past that is by staying positive and visualizing positive outcomes. 
Like Which if is you hard just, to do when the star of the team and the coach of the team is finally like, well, let's just back up when the season's over. Let's back you know the what, bus over this guy. Like, I'll say something <laughs> for those guys too. Like, what are they supposed to? You want honesty from people, but then I do. I'm not. I'm yeah. I'm just saying. I, I don't, want honesty. I don't like, think it's like, going to happen for yeah. Ben Simmons and Philly. Is my point. Yeah, now, I, I, think, I think that has become a situation where uh, psychologically he needs to move on from Philly. Philly probably needs to move on from him. You know, I've been. Wendy, how many times have you heard me talk about Ben Simmons for CJ McCollum is, is kind of the framework of a deal. You know, if I think Ben Simmons in a situation like Portland playing with Damian Lillard, playing that Draymond Green to Steph Curry role, Damian Lillard to me is like the most positive leader in the league. You know, I look at what he did for, for Rodney Hood and his confidence. Yeah, that's a good point. Sim- now, the only problem with that whole plan is I'm not sure how much uh, Dame's positivity will remain intact when he's looking around wondering, like, mm, do I want to be here still? But I do think Ben Simmons moving on to a, another franchise where there's not that level of scrutiny and that kind of pressure and that history is in the best interest of everybody. Well, okay, I've said this before. Ben, ben Simmons, if he was put on the trade block today, they would get 10 offers. There's a lot of value for Ben Simmons, especially because he's under contract with no outs and teams that could never acquire a player like that in free agency. Yeah. Or like, you mean we get this guy for four years? We're going to do it. But it's what they offer back. And so the thing about Toronto and Kyle Lowry, yeah, they could do a sign and trade and get something, but he could also go to the Miami Heat and sign a contract and yeah. and and there's cap space and they don't even need to do a sign and trade. So that's the could risk interest, that they run. Could I interest the Raptors in a slightly used Chris Stapps Porzingis? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's interesting. Um, that's interesting. Uh, Look, this is what I do when I'm in fantasy basketball or fantasy baseball. When I have a team that's underperforming, I go I go trade for a star who's underperforming. It just needs a little change of scenery and just bet on their upside. I mean, I like I, Toronto's really good at player development. They're really good at that. And yeah. and I think uh, that would be a good spot for for any former superstar who is. What about Ben Simmons? Would it be a good spot for Ben Simmons? Yeah. If he got the number four. Yeah. Pick? Yeah. And then he's exactly the kind of player they love up there. Just long defensively. And, yeah. and they've got a, they've got a nice young core in place with Van Vliet. And, you know, Siakam's coming off of the, the surgery. But, you know, Siakam, I like Gary Trent Jr., um, Ananobi. You know, the the number four pick, uh, obviously Nick Nurse is a championship coach. I mean, th- there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about the, the Raptors. Not to mention they'll be in Toronto next year, hopefully. There you go. I mean, that's yeah. a little underrated a bit in terms of how, how bad that was for them being in Tampa all year. No offense to Tampa. It's just you're not home for like over a year. They, didn't, they were in the bubble, and then they were in Tampa all year. I think that that hurt them a lot. Um, but they, uh, I think with Toronto, like, like the one thing, Brian, you pointed this out the other day when you were on the podcast with Doris. And um, if Ben Simmons plays in the Olympics, which I, I think he said he's not going to, right? Is he, that the, the, the way the, I was not the final was word, but doubtful. I mean, obviously, the reaction to that tweet in Australia was rough. They're pretty yeah. upset because. This all, I mean, we don't talk about Australia's national team, but this there, there's a bunch of senior players who this think this is their, you know, uh, Joe Ingles, Patty Mills, Matthew mm-hmm. Dellavedova. Yeah. Bogut couldn't make it. Bogut retired. He would have played if it was last year, but he, his knee couldn't take it anymore. But there's all these senior guys who are like, this is our last chance. And then the best player Australia's ever had just said no. So I don't think he's 100% no, but yeah. he was leaning toward, he was not leaning. He was, I was told, I reported doubtful. 
So yeah, well, I, I like him next to Patty Mills because you play with a true point guard. It takes that off your plate. I, I would have liked to see that in Philly, right? There's a the George Hill trade didn't do that, like right. flat out didn't do that. But the Kyle Lowry you know, trade would have, would mm-hmm. have. But you know, plays like Toronto, plays like Portland, they already got great point guards there, and it would free Ben up to be in a different spot. The other thing about Ben, and I don't think he's gets talked about enough. What hand should he be shooting with? This is a legitimate thing. I um, There are people in his life who are like, Ben, you have to shoot with your right hand. But this has been something that's been around for, for years. I know. The first resistant. time I heard about him, he was the number one pick and he was, he was going to be the number one pick. And, you know, scouts I know saw him in high school. Like, I don't think he shoots with the right hand. Like, I think he needs to shoot with his right hand. Like, when he, he yeah. finishes with layups. He's a very prideful guy. He's a very can prideful just, guy. Can I just tell you a secret? He probably can't shoot with either hand. No, he's better with his <laughs> Like Mike Conley can shoot with both hands. Ben Simmons probably can't shoot with but either. But look, like, his guy if is he, LeBron. If he, he's if always he uses his left his whole right? career, yeah. he ain't going to become like an 80% free throw shooter with his right. Well, look, look I'm just going to say, when it, people are t- a lot of people are talking about Portland, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, Dame Lillard has been invested in the coaching search. I think there are certain candidates that he prefers. <laughs> That's one way to put it. Um, <laughs> uh, they've interviewed a number of candidates. I was told that he sat in on the interview for Chauncey Billups, um, which is. Is it virtual though? Like it's vir- it-, it was virtual. Chauncey's okay. obviously coaching. So he just joined the zoom meeting. Okay. That's he joined the zoom, but it's not <laughs> a normal thing. I think for players to sit in on that. So the point I'm Yusuf saying Narkic that is, wasn't on that zoom meeting. I don't believe so. So I think Dame <laughs> is still invested there, but I think before you te- are trading CJ McCollum for places, I think Dame would like to make sure that like Norm Powell gets resigned, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. That's, I mean, like I already, I'm seeing people like, Oh, well, where's Dame going to get traded? I'm like, he doesn't want, I don't think he wants to get traded anywhere, but he also, it's not just about the coach they hire. It's about what they do and spend money on, you know, Nurkic is up for an extension. His actually his contract is not guaranteed. I'm sure they will guarantee it. But you know, will they re-sign Nurkic? Will they pick up Nurkic's extension and then trade him? Will they re-sign Norman Powell? Um, you know, they're 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 you know, will they re-sign Zach Collins? I mean, there's a lot of ifs there. Um, but you know, looking at a Ben Simmons trade, I'm sure is on the menu. Um, but we'll see. And also, and I'll ask you this before we go, Ramona. You know Joel Embiid. You've done multiple stories yeah. with him. You, I would argue that you have a, as good of a feel for the way Joel is as anybody in the media. He's got a super max contract uh, option this summer. Yeah. And I do believe he's going to sign it. We'll see how it gets worked out about what's guaranteed or whatever. But when they sit down and talk about it, they're going to, Ben Simmons is going to come up. How could he not? What's Joel, what's Joel going to say? And, and, and how much of an issue do you think Joel makes? Like what happens with Ben Simmons before he? Before so he, here's what I'll say about Joel. I don't think Joel needs to have a conversation with anyone there. I think they constantly talk mm-hmm. like, 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 in other words, I'm, I don't think he needs to have a setup call or I think he and Daryl Morey are like best friends. Like, I mean, honestly, the, 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 if you know, both guys, like you see why they're like Joel and Ben are both, oh, sorry, but Joel and Daryl are like the two, two, they both the same love people. to troll. They love to troll. They're really smart. I mean, I, like if Joel wasn't a seven foot tall, amazing athlete, he would be Daryl Morey in the front office. Like you remember, we all got to know Joel when he was hanging out with Sam Hinkie and he learned about front office moves and things like that. Like Joel has a very sophisticated understanding of the cap of the trade market of who, you know, the 
if we were talking about the Kyle Lowry situation, like he knows exactly what's on the table for all of these moves and they don't need to call him and say, Hey Joe, what do you think? Great point. Th- this well, is also, not a, it, does that make sense? Like they are, it does, no, it they, does they actually. Constant, yeah. if, if, if the Sloan conference ever comes back, like Joel Embiid will be there. Like he's, he'll be a speaker. They're all getting, sure I mean, they're, 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 they're super smart guys. Um, I mean, I just, in terms of smartest GMs in the league, in terms of just straight up IQ, I would put Daryl probably up at the top players in the league. Same thing with Joel. Like they, they just speak each other's language and it's not even about basketball. So I, in ter- when you talk about sewer max, I, like, I guess he theoretically, you can't have talked about that before, but I don't think that's going to be a difficult negotiation. They, those well, guys. Yeah. Also, do you think he has to convince Daryl Morey? Hey, you probably want to start looking around at, at trading Ben Simmons. Yeah. Like, explore. like, what do you think Daryl Morey's been doing since he got there? He tried, well, he tried to, to trade, trade him already. He tried to trade Ben Simmons. And by the way, if you don't think there are some Rockets front office chest puffed out a little bit uh, after the way Simmons season ended, we we told you he wasn't a franchise okay. centerpiece. That I'm just telling you. I know. You know okay, that's I'm fine. Just, I'm listen. You roll your eyes. I'm just telling you. <laughs> All right. We can, well, we're we're going to, that's going to be one of the most, the incredible sliding doors moments in the NBA for a while. Like for, for the, the last decade, it was the Chris Paul trade. I, I feel like that James mm-hmm. Harden trade is going to be the sliding doors moment for several different franchises um, for the next decade. That probably. was a big moment. Well, uh, all right. So is, Houston feels better about their Harden trade than their Chris Paul trade right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it could have been Which worse. We would not have said earlier. Yeah. It could have been worse because they didn't have to execute that pick swap. And by the way, that pick swap vaporizes. They never have to give it. So they, they got off. I'm happy high. for that. That was a, that was a tough, it was big. That would have been uh, a really tough one. <laughs> yeah, It was big. <laughs> and their, their, their relief Oof. was evident for sure. Uh, hey, let's, thanks for uh, checking this out. Uh, yeah. Watching this uh, virtual recording. Virtual recording, I guess that's what it is. But this will be on the podcast feed later on. And we still are going to have our podcast um, tomorrow. We're going to record tomorrow night after Game 3 of the West Finals with uh, McMahon and Bontemps, as usual. So that'll be up on Yeah, what happened morning. to Bontemps right now? He couldn't get up early or something? or what's He's in on? Milwaukee. I mean, no, he's, no visual mediums for Bontemps. He's in Milwaukee, you know, uh, covering the uh, Eastern Conference Series to start tonight, which we didn't get to because I didn't want that to be stale by the time it came out. But thanks for listening to Hoop Collective Podcast. Ooh. We will talk to you in a couple of days. Adios, amigos.